right, so I gotta come in hot about something right now. Oh, Christ. Okay, what what are you coming in hot about? Okay, first, welcome everybody to Tall and Short with Tim and Tony. I'm, I'm Tim. Tim. He's... <clears throat> you bought... You, now you talked to... I'm Tim, he's Tony. Uh, I'm Tim, he's Tony, and... Today we're gonna talk about the Jersey Devil, and I could not... <sighs> what happened to me yesterday could not be more appropriate for what we're about to talk about today. How... What... Okay, so yesterday morning I was getting ready for work. And one of the things I do is I usually, you know, oil my beard so that way it's soft and it's my skin's fine and it's not going to go bad or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, my bathroom, it has a little window and there's a windowsill and everything and I had this little sample vial of another oil. From a different company. Mm-hmm. The oil was called famine. Like after the horsemen of the apocalypse. And I accidentally knocked it off the counter. And it fell onto the ground. Shattering, spilling everywhere. But it's not a little bottle. It's a little bottle, not like a big ounce yeah, it's dropper. Not like a big... It's like a, it's got two drops of oil <clears throat> in it. And the smell hit me. I was like, what is this? This is disgusting. In fact, I'm going to get up real quick and I'm going to get the stupid thing so you can smell it. Okay. One second. One minute later. All right, here it is. All right. This little vial. You see, it's not a very big one. Very half the size of my pinky. If that. Yeah, not very big. Why did you do that? Because I needed to make sure it was still potent, and it is. All right, so here's the smell of famine. I'm going to get up real quick, so if I sound weird, it's because I'm away from my microphone. Here you go. Go ahead and smell that. That smells fine to me. It smells fine to you, <laughs> baby. It smells fine to you. It was rough because I had, I because the thing is, some of it actually landed on my fingers when I was cleaning it up yesterday, and I had that on my hand for halfway through work. It oh, was, God. Ugh, the smell. So I, I was like, what is this? This is overpowering. I was, that's like my smelling salts. If I'm ever knocked unconscious, I need to get myself a bottle of that and just, I'm awake. What happened? It's called Famine. It's from a, it's from a, a an oil company that I used to, <coughs> there it is. <coughs> there it is. Told you. Oh, uh, so for our visual watchers, because we have those, <laughs> or for our audio listeners, I've taken like three sniffs, and then it just hit me, and my <coughs> face just contorted. Yeah, pretty much. <coughs> so what is in famine? I actually had to look it up. I was like, I know the, I know the store. And I'm not going to plug them, not out of disrespect. I love the company, but it's also like, we're not being sponsored by them. We're not being Yet. sponsored. Whatever the case. That'd be cool, though. Oh, it would be. But so I, um, so I checked out what it is, and here's what is in there. Barren pine needles, fresh hay, fresh hay, <laughs> sage, and cedar wood. Wow. So it's okay, pi- that is quite appropriate. So it's pine-scented, and I hate pine. I prefer... Do you not pine for it? God, we're in my home. Get out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, I much prefer... I prefer cedarwood, sandalwood, bourbon, bay rum. A lot of very earthy tones, but not overly powerful earthy tones. <laughs> I love how it went from... Talking about fragrances to where it sounded like you were just becoming an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love sandalwood, beechwood, rum. What <laughs> or, or also, you Bourbon, know, or, you know, like citrus, like orange yeah. and lime. I like those because they are, they're very masculine smells as well. So you can smell really good without just putting on a bunch of chemicals. There's, I've got a deodorant, sort of the same. I love the product, but same thing I want. To mention them without hopefully getting sponsored, yes. but that'd be cool. But um, they've got a, it's all natural, and yep. it's like a sage. Mm-hmm. It smells really good. Sage is good, but it, it was definitely the pine. And I, 
I'm not a pine man. It's such an overpowering smell. People are like, oh, I love the scent of pine. And I'm just like, how can you do this? To pay homage a little bit, are we now a body odor podcast? We're definitely... We're definitely a hype podcast because I've actually looked into it like every nearly every episode we've talked about. I have been, oh, hey, they're about this tall. Like we did Rasputin last time. And I said, he's six foot four, dude. He's your height. So we're definitely a hype podcast. We're definitely a hype. I mean, the name. Tall and short. Yeah. So that's going to be a thing. Like I'm going to try to find as many details as I can on the heights of the different characters. And we're going to go from there. But so, like I said, we're going to talk about the Jersey Devil and... Yeah, because that's what we're talking about. <laughs> and it just works out that I happen to have broken a small vial of beard oil that happens to be pine-scented. Can you win, like, one that happens to have winning lottery numbers in it? Or, you know... I mean, if we're, if we're stretching here. You know, I wish I could. I really <laughs> do. But at the same token... At the same token, I don't think so. My luck is terrible. My luck is bad. That's why I don't gamble. <laughs> Yet you work at a yeah. casino. Yeah, I know. That's the irony of it. <sighs> but, Jersey Devil. But let's let's focus on that one. So I'm going to set the stage a little bit for Tony because this is his favorite cryptid, like one of his yeah, favorite it's, ones. It's, it's my number one knowing that it's probably... It's more than likely not real. Oh, yeah. It's but like a, the lore behind it is probably one of my favorites. Absolutely. It's very much like a local legend up in that area. Yeah. And it's fun. It's 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 a fun thing. So I'm so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna sort of set the stage kinda where the Jersey Devil is based out of, as well as a group of people up in the area of the Jersey where the All Jersey up Devil in is. That area. Pretty hmm. much. So Going to start off with, you know, up in New Jersey, in the southern portion of the state, lies the Pine Barrens. Home to Jersey Shore. <laughs> That's a little bit more north, I think. That's a little more terrifying is what that is. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and the Jersey, the New Jersey Pine Barrens, I almost wanted to say the Jersey Shore Barrens. Thank you! So anyway, the, the New Jersey Pine Barrens, I'm really on it today. You're top on this. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the the forest is the largest remaining example of Atlantic coastal pine barrens, with two smaller examples located in Long Island and Massachusetts. So there's only like three areas that have this specific type of biome, I want to say. I'm and listening, but that smell is awful. <laughs> I told you that smell is rough, and it's, it's gonna lingering. and it's gonna be there all, and it's gonna be there for like the rest of the day so just be careful if be careful if you got down your hands okay and and looking at a map i had to actually see just how big the pine barrens were because i've heard about them and i thought i read once that they like you know covered the lower half of new jersey i'm like there's no way yeah but it's also like it's new jersey like that's not a big state no it's not but but i did look it up it is a massive plot of land don't get me wrong it is a massive plot of land Roughly 1.1 million acres of land. Jesus. And you used to live on 48 acres of land. Mm-hmm. So think about that. Wow. So, so 1 million acres of land, which is roughly 22% of Georgia. Uh, not Georgia. Where am I going? No, I'm so sorry. 20% of 22% of New Jersey. Listen, I, I know you didn't take Crow's geography class, but. I did. I took did his. Did you? I took, his, I took his poly G class, political geography. I did. <laughs> and it was one of the best classes I ever took. Mm-hmm, clearly. <laughs> I, it's just the fact that I'm also an idiot. Who is your best friend? Uh, God, yeah, don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> so nearly a quarter of the state, nearly a quarter of New Jersey <clears throat> is just the Pine Barrens, which is pretty damn big. Yeah. That's a massive amount out of the state. So, you know, why is it called the Pine Barrens? First off, there's a lot of pine trees there. I mean... I was going to guess oak. There's pine trees, some cedar wood, I'm assu- I believe. There's a couple other trees, but it's primarily these these large pine trees where pine tar and a bunch of other stuff is created. Yeah. Is manufactured from. And that's all you're going to see for the most part. Then, why is it called barren? Well, it's because the soil there is not very good. The soil is sandy. It's acidic. 
and it's also very nutrient poor. So growing anything there agriculturally, not gonna happen. Yeah. Incredibly difficult. In in fact, beforehand, before the European colonization ever took over, there were ancestors to the to the Lenape people, a Native American tribe, who lived up in the area. And they they actually moved out of the Pine Barrens to go elsewhere for um, agriculture mm-hmm. because they couldn't they couldn't do much. They couldn't grow anything. Yeah. yeah. But they would set fire to the underbrush, which actually helps the trees grow. Because you've, you've ever done, like, you know, controlled fires and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, that's a way to help the land actually grow back because the ashes can... Because the ashes from trees and some plants can actually be very nutrient-rich. Yep. So that's how the trees could keep on going was sometimes fires would be set just to do that. And also... They would sell the coal from the trees. Makes sense. Yeah, for different goods from <clears> other <throat> tribes. So that way you got kindling, and we got kindling and warmth. I mean, the pine tar alone. And I actually looked into pine tar, speaking of it, just real quick. You know the whole phrase, tarring and feathering? Pine tar. Yeah, yeah. not actual, like, tar that we use for the asphalts on the roads no, and everything. Yeah. That's what I thought all the like time a... when I hear tar, but it's yeah. like, no, it's pine tar. They would just superheat it up, glue it to you, and throw feathers on you. And it would hurt to get off, but it wouldn't... Oh, yeah. And it wouldn't... But it wouldn't kill you. It wouldn't suffocate you. Which is what... I was like, oh, that's... That's interesting. I didn't know that. Then, obviously, European colonizers came. And then the white man. Yep. In the 17th century, the area of New Jersey would be settled by the Swedish and the Dutch who mainly focused on the Delaware River for settling, setting up fishing and whaling settlements. Which, at the time, was good money, because fish is... You sell fish, you're gonna be good. And then whale oil, at the time, was the commodity. Mm-hmm. And throughout the centuries, different industries would sprout up in the Pine Barrens, such as lumber for shipbuilding, iron for weapons, farm utensils, coal for fuel... I can go on for a bit here. Yeah. So, it, despite not being agriculturally rich or anything, really, there were some resources. Else, there were yeah. some resources, but a lot of industry that was there, you know, like iron and coal, yeah. they eventually left because there were other areas that, that weren't were the pine barrens and easier to access. Exactly. Yeah. So, eventually, all those indi- eventually a lot of industries and even the settlements that were set up there were left abandoned into ghost towns. And so, what happened? Well, the forest took itself back. Mm -hmm. The Pine Barrens slowly grew over everything as if, and then pretty much wiped the slate clean as if man had never once set foot in the Barrens, which is very fascinating to me. Oh, it's interesting to watch time-lapse videos of stuff like that. Absolutely. But then, of course, we talked about how settlements failed. There are people who do live in the Pine Barrens. And these folks are an interesting group. They're called the Pineys. That's called Wrong Turn. (laughs) Horror series of movies. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, they're called the Pineys, which is kind of a derogatory term, or was a derogatory term. I'll get into that. So, remember that the Pine Barrens are a very rough place to be. Pretty much inhospitable. You cannot live there normally. But the bottom dregs of society... Your fugitives, your thieves, your moonshiners, poachers, deserting soldiers, your runaway slaves. At the time, of course. Yeah. At the time, of course. The people who, you know, would belong in a prison. That by, didn't by, want, people that didn't want to be found. By society's standards back then. Yeah. Just because, again, the runaway slaves, they truly were trying to get away from oppression and they wanted to live a better life. So, mm-hmm. best way to do it, not get found, go hide out. Yep. And these people, all these runaways who just wanted to disappear, would become the Pineys. And they had to make do with their living situations. So they wouldn't be agriculturally based, but they would hunt, they would fish, they would trap, they would build their own shelters, and so on. Truly living off the land just to survive in the unforgiving Pine Barrens. And nowadays, the term Pineys is worn as a badge of honor, much like how a lot of people down here in the South apply to the term redneck. Der, 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 der. Yep. Mm. So, 
So the it was a it was a negative term that was take that was done back in the time, but, but it's been taken back yeah, as nah, a sign of pride. Exactly, and they're like, "Well, we don't mind ourselves here, yes, sir, oh Bobby." <laughs> they probably do speak with a bit of a slang or a slang, a slur, a, not a slur, a twang. Probably yeah. even probably even in some relation to probably even in relation to. Not like an, the Appalachian, Appalachian, whichever you want to do. It depends on where you're from. Um, twang to it because you've yeah. got people in the in the hills in you know Tennessee and Kentucky, just name a couple spots where they have that where they have what sounds like Scotch Irish. Mm-hmm. So they probably do have even a hint of Dutch in there as well. So now that we've sort of touched, we've started opening that up. I assume you're probably going to talk about the Calicac study. Yep. Okay. I this was like, is, I, I'm seeing a lot of that pop up here. I've got the Calicac study all set up, buddy. Don't nice. you worry. Yeah. So, for the most part, people saw the Pineys as terribly low-class, congenital idiots, especially by a couple of eugenic studies in the early 20th century. Now, I will say this beforehand. This is early 20th century language, that I found oh boy. <laughs> it is problematic. It does not reflect any of our views here at Tall and Short. This is just to illustrate how bad eugenics is, especially because this At least was back in the day. Oh yeah, and the and thing how... is, <laughs> but this this was very much uh, this was very much a skewed research. Like looking yeah, into it further, I saw claims it was, that it was like uh, doctored. Oh, it was messed up. So, the most famous of these was the Calicac family, as we mentioned earlier. The researcher behind this was Henry H. Goddard, who was a psychologist and eugenicist. So, he very much was a proponent of eugenics. Yeah. Which is the belief that, which is pretty much the belief that certain people should not be allowed to uh, have kids and that there should only be this certain group of people who should go on to have kids. Yeah. To it's a very, very dark, very messed up viewpoint that some people still have to this day. And in the study, Goddard traced the lineage of a woman who was given the pseudonym Deborah Kalakak. That's obviously not that's not her yeah. real name. The reason why he picked the name Kalakak is because it came from two Greek words that meant good and bad. Because like Kalos is good, Kako or something like that is bad. Which is where that came from. Yeah. He allegedly followed a moral wrong, quote-unquote, with the family tree. How one of Deborah's ancestors, also given the pseudonym Martin Kalakak, he was a soldier who slept with a feeble-minded barmaid. Feeble-minded is was a catch-all term that people used for, like, either being... Um, Mentally challenged. Mentally challenged, or... Or just dumb, like... There's, no, no, there are some people who are very who very much are just that. They're not very smart. Yeah. Can be really nice people. Yeah. They're just also... But just... Sometimes they don't have common sense or something. It, common sense, or lack of education, yeah, even. Yeah, Especially, even I assume, for the Pine Barrens area. Oh, easily. I'm trying to also be careful with the language, because yeah. this is something that is... Yeah. Rorders on the about. touchy. Yeah. So, but anyway, so he, so allegedly, you know, Martin Kalakak, with air, big air quotes, he slept with a feeble-minded woman, a barmaid, who went on to bear a son who was also, quote-unquote, feeble-minded. Martin actually left. He just, like, was a one-night stand, essentially, with this with this barmaid, and he went back to find an upstanding woman, also quote-unquote, so like, you know, a woman of society or whatever. Goddard... Classy. Yeah. Goddard assumed that children born of the feeble-minded son... Yeah. Again, this is all his words. I'm, yeah. This is all that his the barmaid words. would produce and, the same product. Yeah, and he, he assumed that, you know, any and all children that came from that line of Martin Kalakak's family would also be, quote-unquote, feeble-minded, and they would be poor, get in trouble with the law, be mentally ill, or all three. Just truly <clears throat> low standings in society. Yeah. Dregs. 
He then went on to believe that the children born from the upstanding woman of Martin would go on to be seen as normal and successful. Each of these children allegedly going on to become doctors, lawyers, politicians, you know, the higher end of society yeah. because they were quote-unquote normal. Yeah. Which is pretty much, which is pretty rough. Pretty, pretty gross when I'm looking at it. And so, in its day, the study was seen as a success. Everybody loved it, and funding went to universities, including Goddard's, because he was a, he was a teacher at a university, of which yeah. I did not even bother looking because this guy kind of irritated me. He's kind of a dick. Yeah, I'm just not going to get into it. And he looks like a mousy prick. I looked him up. He's like balding, little, like a little... Little mustache, not like a Hitler stash, but like smaller than mine. Yeah, just and then, a just a tiny one. And then big round, mu- and then big round glasses. Look like a freaking nerd, <laughs> big time nerd. It's hey, like hey, you're Tim. claiming. It's like you're a eugenicist, you jackass. Hey Tim, uh, what are those posters back there behind you? Is that Harry Potter, you nerd? Uh, let's see. No, that's Michael Sheen as Aziraphale, the angel from Good Omens. That's David Tennant as Crowley the Demon from Good Omens, and that's Jim Carrey's The Grinch. I rest my case. And then that is a lovely that is a lovely Ralph Steadman print of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas that your wife so lovingly gave me. She's also a nerd. Hmm? You're all nerds. And anyway. <laughs> so anyway. But as I said, the study was seen as a success. Funding went to universities yeah. and the psychology departments for a lot of places. But there were factors that were associated with the study that did not add up. For example, the nutrition of the children was not put into account. Obviously, the food for the normal side of the family was going to be plentiful. They were going yeah. to have enough of it. But in the feeble-minded, I can't, I couldn't think of another word. And I, again, it's a rough, this is a rough study, so this is a rough anything, I'm not trying to belittle anybody, this is just part of it. They didn't have nearly as much nutrient-rich food. I mean, you had, you had, like, you had, you know, natural animals that were located in the, uh... And I'm gonna assume, since she was a barmaid, she wasn't exactly making a hundred bucks a night. Oh, easily. So, I mean, the money they did make probably just went to the... Bare essentials, I imagine. And then, of course, you got to consider potential of that some of the people who did live in the Pine Barrens also did drink, so there was Mm -hmm. fetal alcohol syndrome as well. Yep. So there's a lot of features like that. And there was, I'm sure, uh, drinking before the age of whatever the drinking age was back then. Well, probably drinking at the age of five. Yeah. Oh, there's your first tooth. Here, have a shot of whiskey. So, yeah, basically... And the study was horribly skewed, horribly studied. And then even further, Goddard had taken photos of the children, but looking at them, he he more than likely doctored them up to make the children of the feeble minded side look much more monstrous and sinister. Yeah. And it's like, for example, I think there's a photo where there's actually a boy who had Down syndrome. And oh, wow. so he he doctored it to make the kid look even worse. I'm just like, why? That's terrible. Yeah, that just that's 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 messed up in a lot of levels. Yeah. And funny enough, here's a little bit of pop culture for you. There was a short-lived sitcom in 1977 called The Calicax. Oh. Starring David Hiddleston. Now it's just the name. That's about it. Uh. David Hilston played the patriarch of the family, one J.T. Kalakak. He, an Appalachian family, or Appalachian, just to cover my bases, who he moves his family to California to run an inherited run-down gas station. The show only lasted five episodes. So, <laughs> so when I say it was short-lived... Even in the 70s, they were like, nah, nah, we ain't touching that. So when I say it was short-lived, it was short-lived. And, uh, yeah, it was, a. Uh, Pretty rough, pretty rough. I try and I did not even try to look up episodes of this. I don't think there were like online because it's 1977, and it was an episode. It was a TV show that lasted five episodes. I don't think there's going to be anything online. Nah. 
So uh, I didn't even bother. There might be, but Christ, you, you have to do dig. some serious digging for that. Big time dig. I was just like, screw it. But that's just kind of to set the stage. The Pine Barrens are a very uninhabitable, are very uninhabitable, very rough location. And it is where a good portion of our main topic takes place. The Jersey Devil. Alrighty. So take it away, buddy. Shall we? Yeah, let's go ahead and start with the origin story of this monster. Yeah. Where else do you start? Also, what does the Jersey Devil look like? We're going to get into that in a moment. Yeah, let, yeah let's kick off with the description first of this thing. Uh, the most famous photo is just an old black and white photo from 1909. Uh-huh. Printed in the Philadelphia Bulletin. I don't know if you've got pulled up on your side, but it is... Is it that classic image of yeah. the goofy-looking uh, yeah, horse-headed creature? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that one. That I've always seen that one. That is yeah. a classic image. I never Bat took it. Bat wings, incredibly skinny back legs, and it's bipedal, and with, it's on hoofs. With tiny little forearms like a T-Rex. Yeah, tiny little forearm. I think they're hooved as well. A giraffe neck, and then it looks like a horse with, like, ram horns on it is a bizarre creature. I, You know, whenever I saw that image growing up in the, um, in the old books that you and I actually have a couple copies of, mm-hmm. I was just like, that's, like, you're reading the stories, like, that's not terrifying. That thing looks goofy as all hell. Yeah. Then again, though, it was 1909 when the image was created, so... It could make sense that back then people were like, oh, this is actually pretty freaking creepy. Yeah. So, um, since this is my probably my most favorite, with sort of an asterisk to it, Yeah. the origin, we'll go over that, we'll go over some of the more famous sightings, and then, um, honestly, I want to talk about sort of at the tail end of it, besides the pop culture influence it's had, what it could have been. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, that, that's sort of something I want to slowly introduce with some of these is what our thoughts on are on what it could have been, what those people saw and perceived and morphed into this thing. Absolutely. Um, but on to the origin, to this kangaroo horse bat. The According to folklore and popular legend and everything that's been concreted, basically, in legend now at this point, Mother Leds, now identified as, or mostly identified as Deborah Leds. Wouldn't it be Leeds? Leeds, yeah. I've always pronounced it Leds. I don't know why. Led Zeppelin. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Mother Leeds, and this was happening in the mid-1700s. Mother Leeds has had 12 children. So mid-1700s. Yeah. This is actually about the time... Because I said the 17th century was when uh, the Swedish and the Dutch were. So, more than likely could have been one of those without hesitation. Could have been, uh, she could have been uh, one of the um, colonizers. Yeah, easily. And especially, I mean, that sounds like a very Dutch name, Leeds. Leeds. But in 1735, at this point, Mother Leeds had had 12 children already. And, of course, superstition. That is a lot of kids. Yeah, no Good. joke. It's like, I'm... It's like, hey, what did my, it's like, hey, what did grandpa do? What did grandma and grandpa do back in back in there to have fun? I don't know, let me ask my forty-two aunts and uncles. <laughs> we don't know either, man. No, we don't know. Um, but in seventeen thirty-five she was in labor. Uh-huh. On a dark and stormy night, of course. As it always is. Was having issues birthing number thirteen mm-hmm. and basically cursed from Multiple sources basically cursed the child to come out, and it felt like the devil was coming out uh-huh. of her. Da-dun. Yep. And this is where the Jersey Devil originates from, this thing, this kangaroo horse bat. Yep. Uh, yeah, came out of the womb, uh-huh. and um, the most popular interpretation I've heard is it basically came out a human... And then just, like, morphed into the creature it is known as. Attacked the mid- midwife. Yep. 
looked at Mother Leds and then smashed through a window of the cabin or house or whatever it was and took off. I've also heard that the th- that the thing flew out of the chimney, went up the chimney. I've heard and that out one the- too. Yeah, and I what always finds me fascinating with the Jersey Devil is that there is a starting point yeah. to the legend. There is a concrete start point. Always, previously, all the a lot of other legends that are out there, it's like, where did it start? I don't know, hearsay. And then yeah. we, it's like we did the Wendigo a couple episodes back. Yeah. And, and that's been in forever. Yeah, there really was no set, like, point. It's just people created it to say, okay... Stop stop eating each other. Right. That was pretty much the only reason. This one, there's actual, like, story, a legend. It's, oh, yeah, there was this mother who had 12 kids. She's coming on number 13, and she's like, you know what? Curse the child. Mm-hmm. And she got what she wished for. Yep. So, basically, that that's the origin story of it. It was a human cursed by her, by its own mother, to be a devil. Mm-hmm. And, and it became it a devil. It fulfilled its parents' wishes. And it became a devilish creature. Yep. Right. And there's so much about the Leds family, like, post, post-devil, post <laughs> I guess. Oh, Lord. It was first referred to as the Leds Devil because of its name. Yeah, I guess its name. I guess it had identity. But there were responses from clergymen, obviously, to uh, bless the mother or exercise whatever she had left into her. Yep. You know... I'm kind of now curious, what what would she have named the Jersey Devil? What if she would, what if she had named her thirteenth child? Because it's like if we're if there's a dozen kids already, yeah. let's assume that half of them were men, half of them were boys, half of them were girls, and so you got like you know, probably Adam, Johan, Michael, John. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, very, very, you know, even I would argue even biblical names just for the sake of the fact that, that, yeah. And then the women would be like, you know, Sarah, Hester, Esther. Those two get confused a lot. And then what are we gonna call? And then like, what would be the Jersey? De- what would his? What would his name have been? Phil. Phil. <laughs> Phil the Jersey Devil. Phil the Devil. Yeah. Phil the Devil. Okay, we're good. We've named the Jersey Wait, Devil. Wait, hang on, no, Dave. No. It would have been Dave. It would have been Dave. Because tenacious D. Fair enough. Dave the Devil. Dave Devil. Dave the Jersey Devil. We have it. David the Jersey Devil. We have a name for the Jersey Devil. Hey, David, how's it going, buddy? <laughs> Good to hear. Now then. <laughs> Sorry about that little derailing. I'm... Actually, uh, let's see. I do have one of the names of its brothers. Uh-huh. Titan. 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 Well, there was Titus. There was a book of Titus, so that actually would work. Yeah. So... Titan leads, leads. I'll get that right eventually, I promise. Ah, you're going about it just fine. The family crest for the leads actually depicts a wyvern. Uh-huh. And a bat-winged dragon-like legendary creature that stands upright on two clawed feet. And that is a wyvern. Two-legged dragon. So, I feel like they were just pulling from what they knew? I guess, I don't know. Like, yeah. So, obviously... Leds Devil started running amok, became a urban, well, an ubiquitous legend mm-hmm. of southern New Jersey in the Pine Barrens. Yep. But the sightings really didn't start getting big. I guess it really didn't start getting logged, I guess. Yeah. Um, until almost the 1800s. Really? So there was, I mean, I'm sure there were sightings and there were mentions and rumors about town until then. But no one, I guess, really wanted to come forward and say, yeah, no, this happened. The earliest one of any note was actually, let me see, let me pull up my phone because I've got 15 different sources running for this thing. Okay. The earliest one I could find of any real interest Mm -hmm. was in 1812. What else was happening in that time? The War of 1812. My God. In 1814, took a little trip. Long come back to the mighty Mississippi. Wait, no. In 1814, yeah. Go on. <laughs> the War of 1812 was happening. Britain tried to reclaim the colonies, and, and that didn't wasn't work out. France helping out? You know, I'd be or, lying if I remembered the answer. I want to say the French were helping the Americans out on that. But anyway, the reason I say the French 
Guess who uh, the famous person that cited the devil was? Is it James Madison? No. Mr. One Bonaparte. Napoleon Bonaparte. No, his older brother. Really? Okay, you caught me there. <laughs> Joseph Bonaparte. Joseph Bonaparte. Okay. Yeah, I guess he actually had an estate in Bordentown. B-O-R-D-E-N. Bordentown. Bordentown. Like Lizzie Borden. Yeah. Um, actually claimed he saw the devil while hunting near his estate. He said he had had he had heard multiple animal attacks. He saw strange footprints. Actually, obviously said he witnessed it. But outside of that, I couldn't find anything really more detailed about his encounter. So over the course of 70 years, rumors, hearsay, probably a couple of witnesses that didn't come forward in the 1700s. And then another 10 years after, then we finally get a real solid sighting. So clearly this animal or this thing isn't human. Mm-hmm. Just on the time frame alone. Yeah, because that thing should be dead by now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like a standard... I mean, like, bears don't last more than, what, 20 years? I was going to say probably 20. Yeah, so large animals usually don't last more than 20-some-odd years, 30. And that's if they just live to old age. Yeah. That's if they don't die by hunter or other animal. Uh, there's also a mention from a Commodore Stefan Decatur. Gesundheit. Bless you. Probably Decatur. He said he actually saw it, the creature flying, like actually in flight. Uh huh. Um, he was actually at his, at a millworks, what, check, inspecting cannonballs and stuff. Okay. And f- fired said cannonballs. No effect. Apparently he hit it s- square in the chest or square in the body. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Didn't do anything. I'm debating if there was. I'm actually debating on some of these already, because think about it for a second. What was also prevalent during that time? Alcohol abuse and drug abuse. So I'm thinking, did was there perchance that they may, a, a lot of these people may have actually been on something and just had hallucinated it because of that? Was the Commodore that? on cognac? <laughs> was the Commodore on cognac? Was the Commodore on a fine laudanum? Maybe. I mean... There's a possibility on yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, whiskey was used as a whiskey, laudanum. Those were both used as those are both used as your antibacterials and your pain reliever. So it wouldn't surprise me. And if, your party time. Pretty much. So it wouldn't surprise me if these folks uh, were on something when they had these sightings. Mm-hmm. So we get the early 1800s with those two sightings. Uh-huh. Jump ahead another 20 years. Oh, good lord. Um, so the devil's eat. being blamed for multiple livestock killings uh-huh. in 40 and 41. I saw a couple of mentions that it was at least 50 animals over the course of two years, which... That is sizable. Yeah. So, jump another... Oh, God, let me do my Oklahoma public education math. <laughs> Burn. Big uh, time. 80 years good lord so it's been so it has been what nearly 200 years now it was born in allegedly born in 1735 and i am jumping all the way to december 1925 yeah that's nearly 100 years yeah 200 years 200 years oh thank you oklahoma public schools (laughs) december 25th uh in greenwich new 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 jersey new jersey you know i actually think it's one of those weird words that it'll spell this way i think it's actually pronounced greenwich whatever well it's like you look i'm not from the east coast well i don't i pronounce my words how i see them okay like you know that word that you know that word it's it's pronounced gloucester but it looks like glowchester c-e-s-t-e-r oh i know i know know. i I pronounce it yeah that's gloucester so I think this is Greenwich, but, you know, I'll argue on my end, you argue on your end. Let's get back. From Greenwich. <laughs> From Greenwich, uh, a local farmer shot an unidentified animal that was attempting to steal his chickens. Yep. Then took a photograph of the corpse, which I could not find that picture online anywhere. There's always that thing. There's always the internet. There's always, there's always the, where's the photo? Claimed that he took it to... At least 100 people around town couldn't identify it. Uh-huh. 
and <laughs> the time lapses here are just ridiculous. Um, so we're at 1925. 1925, allegedly the Jersey Devils may be killed. Jumped July 27th, 1937. An unknown animal with red eyes seen uh-huh. by residents of Downington, Pennsylvania, was compared to the devil. And that's... Um, that's like 12 years? Yeah. Um, by a reporter for the Pennsylvania Bulletin. Uh-huh. And then July 28th, 1937, so the next day... Yep. More sightings happen. Uh-huh. Goes off the radar again. Uh-huh. 1951. Okay, another 20 years. A group of kids in Gibbstown, New Jersey, claimed to have seen a monster matching the devil's description. And claims of the corpse matching the Jersey Devil description arose in 57. Okay, I'm definitely now thinking that this is just... Now this is definitely some hysteria, and also this is a group of kids. Mm-hmm. Easily, I'm just going to say that these are kids who were just looking to you know, prank people. And so they're like, oh, we saw this. Yeah. And then jump <laughs> another three years, 1960. Why are we jumping around so much? Because that is how ridiculous this thing is. And the thing is the Jersey Devil just can't fly. He has to jump. What's the point of having wings? Right. He's got wings. Why don't you fly, you bet you Why don't bastard? you fly to your next encounters, man? No, I gotta jump because I'm part kangaroo. You don't know, bro. Get out of here. Jersey Shore Devil? I made one of those in I made one of those in a in a thing once and it's stupid. He's short, he's got slick back hair, big aviators, and he's like, Yeah! What's up, bro? Even got a wife beater and shorts on with a neck with a golden chain. He looks absurd. During nineteen sixty <laughs> <laughs> tracks and noises heard near May's Landing also got claimed and associated with the devil. Uh-huh. During the same year merchants around Camden uh, Camden, New Jersey, offered ten thousand dollars for the capture of the devil alive. I assume. And this is nineteen sixty, so ten thousand dollars back then is pretty penny. That's Cadillac money, big time back then. They were even offering the merchants, as a group, were collectively offering to build a private zoo to house the creature. Mm, that'd be money maker for sure. I mean, come step right up, step right up, come and see the actual devil from George from. I want to say Georgia just because of... I know I want to say Georgia because the devil went down to Georgia. So that's why I'm stuck in there. No, he, he just went to, like, Pennsylvania. <laughs> but come on down. Step right up to the devil from Jersey. So, I leave... I I start with all the minor encounters. Yep. Like, you know, with Bonaparte, or Bonaparte, and uh, the Commodore, and all the kids, and all these 19s odds. But the biggest and most famous one was during 1909, when that picture was originally illustrated. Yes. During the week of January 16th to the 23rd of 1909, papers published hundreds, hundreds of claims of claimed encounters with the devil from all over South Jersey and the Philadelphia area. Mm-hmm. Um, among the encounters, claims that the creature actually attacked a trolley car in Hayden Heights and a social club in Camden. Damn. Police all over Camden and Bristol allegedly fired at the creature to no effect. Mm-hmm. Calling back to that cannonball thing. Initial concerns started off with footprints in the snow because it was still January in, in the on the northeast coast, so it was still snowing. There were footprints, There were and there were char marks around the footprints. Ah. And there were char mar- charfed footprint marks on roofs and on streets. You know, that actually makes me think of another mystery called The Devil's Footprints. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure you know about it, where it's like this village, after a great snow happens, uh, everybody locks their doors, and then in the morning, there were there were these just hoof prints walking on through here. Devil. Wow. That's the Jersey Devil. Obviously, the coverage from the newspapers and all these claims... Send everyone into a, in a, into a fervor. Yep. Delaware Valley, prom, uh, actually Delaware Valley schools closed down for the week. Wow. Closed factories down, closed shops. Like People were legitimately afraid. Wow. And obviously with that kind of backlash, hunting groups came out and started trying to hunt it. Absolutely. It's rumored that the Philadelphia Zoo also posted a $10,000 reward for the creature. 
and that type of money back then obviously prompted amalgamation hoaxes and false bodies to come up. Oh, yeah. Including a kangaroo equipped with artificial claws and bat wings stitched onto it. Yeah, this is where the gaffes, like from P.T. Barnum's Circus, Mm -hmm. would be coming in. In the prime of that time frame. Easily, because it was... Because the thing is, you didn't have the internet back then. You couldn't just fact check something and go, yeah, no, that's not it. You could do a lot more back then and get away with it than you can now. And so so I think that if I were definitely like a... if If I knew then what I know now about, you know, everything back then, I'd be a fucking criminal mastermind. And I would be untouchable. So, yeah, I mean... The sightings are so sparse on the early end of it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, in 1909, this thing just peaks. I've not seen any very, even really worth bringing up sightings since the 1909 week. And it then, is basically just into the air. And then it allegedly appeared every so when and just gone. Yeah. It was it was sort of a Pennywise clown, you know. Every few years, it would show up and just cause hysteria, and then just back into the wind. Pennywise don't clown around. God damn it! <laughs> and yes, I'm proud of myself. I know. Oh. So that's for the most part. That's pretty much all the sightings. Mm-hmm. So, the part I was kind of excited because I saw this this uh, snippet of info and I thought it was actually pretty interesting. Jeff Bruner of the Humane Society of New Jersey has the opinion that the sandhill crane is actually the basis for the devil. And sandhill cranes are ridiculously tall. They are very, they're a protected species in Florida. They are massive creatures. For even for a bird, I'm six foot four, and sandhill cranes. I think the tallest one I ever saw. It had to be four, four and a half foot tall. They're not tiny birds. I've seen them. No. I've actually seen what they look like, and even further, I actually do. I actually know what they sound like, and it's pretty freaking terrifying. Mm-hmm. They're obnoxiously loud. I can confirm on that one. Yeah, because I actually did. Uh, you brought them up and actually found some sandhill cranes calling. So I want to see if that's get if this gets picked up on the microphone. If not, you know, just look up sandhill cranes calling. You're gonna find one eventually. Eh, give it a second. Imagine hearing that in the woods at night. Yeah, or even in the daytime. Mm-hmm. Like if you're out there all by yourself, that's still creepy. Yeah, they are. They are pretty freaking creepy. Based off how those things look, mm-hmm. and then how that Jersey Devil picture is drawn. Yep, it, that's a I, that's a pretty good hit. Plus, they got that big red that big red patch in their forehead, mm-hmm. and it's said to have burnt the creature that burning red eyes. That could be easily caught by the light, and yeah, if that if you're just seeing something fly by you, yep, and you you're catch the catch red. That red, yeah, that'd but, be easy to spook them. On, I mean, with the decomposition of the bodies, because like I like we've said, I've lived on a farm, and we had egrets and we had cranes, and obviously they'll die, and they die in such a way like when the body starts decomposing. If you see a decomposed body like that, it, it it's not a far stretch to see that's some sort of like to view it as some sort of supernatural creature. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the. Jersey Devil, despite it being one of my favorite cryptids, man, it is so easy to debunk it. I mean, just the time frame alone between sightings oh, yeah. is enough to make you like, eh, that's not real. I really am thinking that there was not really something in the water, but people were definitely drinking. There, yeah. there, there were people who were drinking, using alcohol, using alcohol, drugs. Definitely also the fact that, again, there was those kids. That's just kids causing mischief because mm-hmm. that's what they do. But the hardest one to debunk is that 1909, the week of 1909. Yeah, that like, one's a that one's a weird case. But they chalked that up. Um, medical sociologist Robert E. I love this guy's name, Robert E. Bartholomew. Nice. And author Peter Hazel 
cited the 1909 series of sightings and the public panic therefore or Thereafter. caused from as a almost textbook example of mass hysteria. And we can get in. There's actually several stories that are mass hysteria related. Yeah. That we could easily get into, not just the Jersey Devil. And I could see that because sometimes all it takes is a little bit of persuasion. And people will believe anything. Yeah. So, did you ever watch a show called um, Holmes and Doyle? Mm-hmm. It uh, was a fictionalized account of not Holmes and Doyle. I'm wrong one. Houdini and Doyle. It was a fictionalized account of Harry Houdini and Arthur Conan Doyle, mm-hmm. as and they were they were best friends in real life. They really were best friends. <laughs> it's such a weird combination. I know, right? But the thing is. Harry Houdini was a big-time skeptic. And Arthur Conan Doyle, while a while a very intelligent man who also created the most intelligent detective of all time, Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. he was also big into Victorian age spiritualism. So he believed in spirits and mediums and everything else. And in one episode, in one episode, Houdini actually decided to trick people into thinking that he was sick and then everybody else in the room began to feel the same things he says man i'm getting hot do you feel like you're getting hot like it's really getting warm in here and everybody started like started like you know adjusting their ties and collars and like yeah it is getting warm in here what's wrong and then he said nothing is wrong i did that to show you that anybody can be easily fooled yeah so mass hysteria is all about a little bit of persuasion and anybody can follow through on it. And with the legend being so ingrained into that area from the 1700s. Yep, and the story being passed down like a boogeyman. Yeah. Real easy. You get a sandhill crane that's... Because we had... God, it was... I lived in Blanchard way back when, so that would have been the early 2000s. We had that, like, bird epidemic where birds were just falling out of the sky. Yeah. What's to say in 1909 something similar wasn't happening? And they're like, I don't want to say rabies, but something akin to that for birds. Possibly. And that could have led to the a trolley attack. So I, I as much as I wish it was real because it'd be such a bizarrely awesome animal. Mm-hmm. I kind of side with the sandhill crane theory. That's definitely like, a possibility. That is really in line with almost everything. Oh, yeah. Because if you tried to hit that with thing with a cannonball... If you hit it, it's just going to explode. Yep. And you're not going to see it. And if you're drunk with the cognac, oh, man, it just disappeared. It must have invisibility powers. That's, po- oh, like, yeah. So, yeah, it, I hate to say it because I, I love this thing so much, but it's definitely not real to me. Yeah. And I, I unless you have seen that thing and it's like spoken to you because, you know, it's Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Unless Dave's spoken to you, I'm pretty sure everyone that, if you just read it, you're going to say, yeah, no, that's not a thing. Yeah. But what is real is the cultural influence this thing has had. Oh, absolutely. Comic books, video games, a hockey, two hockey teams, actually. Mm -hmm. Several sports teams. Sports teams, been featured in books and movies and video games all over. There, so, remember when we were talking about the Wendigo and there was the show Lost Tapes that I brought up? Oh, God, no. They had one about the Jersey Devil. <laughs> and that one, was, that one wasn't nearly as creepy, but they, they, you actually what get... What was the, the show called again? Lost Tapes. L-O-S-T-T-A-P-E-S. And it looks... And it, it's done up as, like, this, uh, you know, found footage TV show. Yeah. And it God, was one that's of the. Be our source material for this thing, isn't it? <laughs> Thankfully, no. Oh, that's creepy. You see the picture of the Jersey oh. Devil? That's the face of it, man. It just looks like they put bat, like leathery plastic black wing or bat wings on a goat. That's what that I mean. They were making it look like the devil, <laughs> which is what the which is what they want. They wanted to make it based on the uh, based on the myths. And that's just the image. Then there's the, and that's just like the illustration. Have you seen the actual like? Did you see the monster head they got there? Yeah. Yeah, that's what they use, and you can actually see like the hoof at one point. Whole bunch of craziness about it. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah, but that was one of them. Yeah, but that was that episode, and it was kind of creepy. It was like a family with their border collie, I think. Yeah. Who came afoul of the Jersey Devil itself. I forgot what happened to them. I think all but the husband got away. That's usually how it is. The husband always dies in some self-sacrifice. But the fact that the Jersey Devil, while it is definitely a piece of Americana legend, especially up in the Northeast, it has had such a significant influence on everything, on, on all pop culture. So I'll rattle off the TV series and it's been in. The X-Files, The Wolf Among Us, 13th Child, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh-huh. I think uh, that might be the new... I think that might be the 2003 version. The which... Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, The Barons, Carney, A Night with the Jersey Devil, The Last Broadcast, Legend Quest, What We Do in the Shadows, which uh-huh. I know you love. I haven't seen it yet, actually. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Call me a liar, then. <laughs> and Gravity Falls, which I love. And then, it, I mean, it has its own video game named after itself. It's got a roller coaster named after it. Yeah, there's... Vinyl figures. Like we said, two hockey teams. In Search of Monsters. Lore. Uh, Monsters and Mysteries in America. If anybody hears a slight um, whining going on right now, we live in central Oklahoma, and every Saturday at, at noon, the, the, tor- the tornado sirens go off. So if you hear a faint humming if you hear it like that faintly that's what's going on we did not time this for that we timed it perfectly for this. <laughs> yeah yeah but the jersey the, the Jer- i've seen the jersey devil in like some online games too like when i was growing up in the in the early 2000s early to mid 2000s I would go on to, like, this website that was, um, like, educational games for kids. Oh, yeah, I remember those. Yeah, and there was, like, this, there was, like, you know, the the knowledge monster or whatever his name is. He was a little demon-looking dude. And then you could play monster chess, and you could pick your monster. You could be the Jersey Devil. You could be Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, Chupacabra. And you would then be playing against another mo- monster, played by the computer, in a game of chess. While also learning stuff. I was like, okay, this is cool. And then I always love the different, like, artwork that people make of the Jersey Devil. Like, what does it look like? Yeah. Some of them make it very similar to what the description is. Others, they kind of throw in, like, a more humanoid flair to it because it was born a human. And I've seen a couple that it's just straight up a devil. Yep. Like, stereotypical red horns, pointy tail, devil. And it's just, and it's just so fascinating. What was, what was just a simple legend starting in the mid 18th century, mid to late 18th century, still we talk about it today, and it still influences TV, video games, books, everything. Yeah. So the only other, I'm just looking through the his, the family history of this thing, and it's they were actually. The the family was actually Quakers. Quackers? Quakers. 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 Yeah, no, Quakers. And that's actually where we... And that's definitely Dutch, because we would eventually get into the Amish with the Quakers. Yep. So, yeah, they were definitely a Dutch colonizers. There's theories that the Ludd's family was actually not based on a single person, but was sort of like the Wendigo, sort of a cautionary tale, myth, legend, rumor uh-huh. that came with the Dutch. Yep. And that's sort of where it originated from and then sort of got fine-tuned. Yep. And then the Leds actually had... Oh, this is this is where it got interesting. Despite moving to America, they were actually decently wealthy. They actually published almanacs. No kidding. Publisher Daniel Leds, that lived from 1651 to 1720. Mm-hmm. So I assume probably... Mother Ludd's Leeds father actually had a decent almanac business going. He actually competed with uh, Franklin, Benjamin Franklin. Wow. Okay. The almanacs were almanacs were big back then just because mm-hmm. farmers, everybody was a farmer and they needed that. So that was big time money back then. Yeah. Wow. I'm reading through all this and trying to sort of surmise it up. The Leeds family sort of became, because of this 
rumor they brought with them from the old world, I guess, um, sort of became the pariahs. Okay. And the high, you know, Franklin being a rival publisher and politicians all sort of ran with that. And they knew him a lot better than they did the Leeds, so... Yeah. It that... sort of ran with that and sort of exiled the Leeds family, and that's sort of how it went. And they took and took that, or took the description of that creature from the old country and sort of ran with it. And that's sort of where their crust came from. And actually the lead or leads 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 either one, <laughs> the family's almanac business, their almanacs and encyclopedias actually had their crest on them. Mm-hmm. So they actually had the Jersey devil on their stuff, on their product. I mean, when you look at the, when you look at a wyvern, especially the old, like medieval heraldry look, yeah, old description. It very much looks like the description of the Jersey Devil. So it maybe not even the fact that the Jersey Devil was created. I think it. I think that may have been as a means to mudsling and mm-hmm. cancel legitimacy for the Leeds family easily. So because it's like, oh, it's it's like the fi- it's like the figure Vlad the Impaler. His sigil was a dragon. Yeah, and so because Dracul means dragon and. Some of the other reasoning, I mean, they brought this legend with them, and mm-hmm. they were sort of the the outsiders looking in. Yep. But he dealt a lot with esoteric stuff. Who, Franklin? No, um, Daniel Leeds. Oh. He actually dealt a lot with Christian occultism, mysticism, cosmology, demonology, angelology, natural. He dealt with sort of the weird side. Okay, so the stuff that definitely people would go... He's probably worshipping the devil. Yeah, and so not only being outsiders and being competitors with Franklin and already having this kind of out-of-place family crest and having these this legend that they sort of associated with, double down on it with that. And there and that, you go. And I feel like that's a lot where the initial Jersey Devil claims came from was it was, yeah, like you said, it was mudslinging and that became, that person got personified. And also, when you think about it, I mean, the number 13 is an unlucky number. Mm-hmm. So, so 13, it's easy just to go, because everybody would have, like, you know, a lot of kids. They had big families back then because most people were agriculture based. Yep. So they needed to have the, they needed to have, uh, they needed to have the help. So they would have a lot of kids. So, it was common to say a twelve having twelve kids was I would argue fairly common, and then saying oh I'm gonna have a thirteenth kid thirteenth is gonna be Ooh. evil yeah so it's gonna be spooky yeah. so uh, it's it's all just superstition all political mudslinging all a bunch of stuff that when you look back at it is very silly yeah and it just sort of got ran with and it's just now part of Americana yep. So, I don't know, what do, you, what do you think about the Jersey Devil as a whole? Uh, it's a fun story. Mm-hmm. It's definitely got a lot of superstition. And when I was younger, for sure, I definitely believed in a lot of it. And I was like, oh, this is... And, like, I would always try to, I would always try to look for the photos, you know? I would always mm-hmm. try to look up photos of what could be, and they were always either blurry, doctored, poor three-dimensional, just... Yeah. It, it it was like, oh, and so I just never found anything, and it definitely irked me a bit. Yeah, that's, I was sort of the same way, like, I loved reading about it. I had this, I remember the, I remember the guy's name, it's, uh, last name was Blackman. Mm-hmm. Had a field guide to North American Monsters, Jersey Devil, had like a page and a half, two pages. I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I used to love, I wore the pages off that book with just the Jersey Devil section. Yep. And it's like, in hindsight, it's like, oh, crap, this thing was absolutely faked. Oh, easily. Like, looking at it through an investigative lens, it's not real. (sighs) Well, that's depressing. Yeah, sucks. Not as depressing as episode five. Episode five! It is going to be our first serial killer. And I'm just going to go ahead and say who it is. It is Nanny Doss. She had a body count of only 11 people, mostly her family, and this went on for a 30-year period, so she had some cool-down times. See how she did it and how she got caught, and we'll go from there. Then after that, I'm going to talk about frogs. Because fuck you. 
I hate you for that. Yeah, well, I hate serial killers, but so there we go. If you, but if you liked what you heard today, do send a send us uh, send us an email because we have an email. Check out it. <laughs> send us an email, but send it in the in the post office. And, yeah, we have <laughs> we have an email now. It is tallandshort at gmail dot com. That is one word: t a l l a n d s h o r t at gmail dot com. And we'll get back and we'll check through it. We won't get back with everyone because if it's going to be a lot of emails, we'll just go through what we can. We we'll are pick on... the best spelled ones. That's bad. When we're both just two people working on this, so we're going to have we would it'll take us forever to sift through it all. But because, you know, we're basically the Beatles, like we're going to have way too much fan mail. <laughs> just a thought. But <laughs> but send us in. Tell us how we're doing. Give updates on stuff you know or just how y'all are doing. Or if you've seen the Jersey Devil of lately. Absolutely. Like maybe if you've seen Dave, let him know that we're trying to get a hold of him. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, this is this has been Tall and Short with Tim and Tony. He's I'm, Tony. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. He's Tony. Uh, and you're Tim. That's correct. And uh, what should we say before we go? Don't have 13 children? Is that the lesson we're taking away from this? Ah, uh, you know what? I don't know. I don't, I don't think there is a lesson for this. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, Tim here. This is my bad. Uh, so I said the name of the email wrong. Please don't go to that one I said. Go to this one instead. It is actually tallandshortpod at gmail.com. That is T-A-L-L-A-N-D-S-H-O-R-T. P-O-D at gmail.com.